Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees. This podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here in Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. Welcome back, Legends, to another episode of the Between Two Barrels podcast, and this is a very special episode. I am one of your hosts, Opie, joined by Bilo himself, the regional manager of managers, and we are joined by a fantastic guest uh, from way back and and our time here in, in town, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it is Cousin Timmy, Tim Harkle Road. And uh, we're going to talk some more, dive some more into more spirits. The world of the supernatural. The non-alcohol type yes. of spirits. Uh, uh, Tim, how are you? I am wonderful. A little bit down to my back. I guess it's this crisp autumn yes. air, which I love. Oh, I love yeah. this time of year. Oh, absolutely. We were talking about it the other day. I mean, the, the cool, crisp mornings and mm. evenings. Uh, of course, you have to... Make sure and dress accordingly because yes. sometime around after lunch, it's visiting back in the summertime at times and stuff yeah. like that. But the leaves Doesn't changing, know what it wants to be the, sometimes. the crispness in the air, uh, you hear and see things that you normally don't see mm-hmm. during the summer. So, yeah, I fully yeah. agree that it's I definitely a wonderful time of year. I woke up this morning to the smell of eggs and sausage cooking and the sound of bacon sizzling. I thought. Mm. Passed out in Waffle House again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love the, the, the comedic elements of, of all of it. Absolutely. I went into the first bit of that thinking like, All right, oh, well, this yes. is going to go Breakfast somewhere. Bad. All right, fantastic. <laughs> we, uh, I guess we're just going to have to start off as uh, we'll, we'll dive first into the, the paranormal realm, and then we'll kind of work our way into the cryptid and stuff. What got you started? in the world of the paranormal gosh i've always liked uh ghosts uh i guess is the basic part of it i had a when i was a kid i got an album alfred hitchcock's Mm. favorite ghost stories Hmm. and he would introduce these stories and then they were read by another actor but i start with i loved alfred hitchcock's voice good evening and he would yeah he would how do you do Mm. i going to present to you a ghost story he never got in a hurry and uh it was uh, it was amazing i would hear my grandmother told me ghost stories 
when I was little that would just thrill me to death and scare me to death at the same time. She had uh, an aunt uh, who lived in a house with a ghost. Mm. And she talked about the ladle in the in the water bucket would be would spin around on its own, and the doors would open and close, and cabinet doors just banging open and, and shut. And I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I I read tons of books as a as a kid, and then I got you know, in college was the first time I I'd ever done uh, what now is called ghost hunting. We did it, like I, I like to say, we did it for ghost hunting was cool. <laughs> um, I worked with, I uh, didn't work with, uh, we hunted with uh, uh, Dr. Nancy Acuff of, of Bluntville, Tennessee. She was a good friend, passed away recently. We had a lady who was a psychic in Bristol whose name was Lena Jones. And Lena was in her 80s. Uh, she would see clients, but they weren't like clients. You'd just go sit in her living room. She didn't have a big red palm out on the side, you know. You'd Call me now for your free reading. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. She was uh, just a simple country woman, and she'd look at you. She'd say, well, you've been on a horse recently, and you could have never, ever been on a horse except for a week before you go see her. Mm-hmm. And she'd pick up on that and she'd say you stood on a ladder she would tell you all these things uh to let you have an idea of how accurate she was hitting on these things okay and then she'd give you a little so she'd give you like a measuring stick and then go exactly and so she was a wonderful sweet lady we used to take her along dr bob spangler mary chris from the kingsport times news mm-hmm. would go along with us and um we did i don't know eight or ten investigations uh, I was sort of the tech guy at the time. I had a, 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 a cassette tape recorder. <laughs> I was going to ask what was, nothing at that did, time, yeah, what was the, 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 we, the equipment that would have been used? We didn't have multimeters or any of that. You know, we had like a stick and another stick. We'd <laughs> clack at it. And, like bowsing uh, rods. <laughs> yeah. Rocks with the rocks at the ghost. Uh, see if we could uh, get some... Uh, Play catch here. Throw this yeah. back at me. <laughs> but I uh, and what's funny, uh, we caught uh, a great uh, whale, not a whale. Uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, yeah. yeah, yeah. At um, WETS, uh, when they had their studio on campus at ETSU, wow, they're in the old Cooper annex. They called it. Is is the Cooper home, which was over a hundred years old. I think they've torn it down since then. Uh, and all the guys, I knew a bunch of guys that worked in radio uh, in WTS, and they all talked about Alice. Alice, uh, Alice Cooper, funny enough. Uh, <laughs> but Alice was their ghost, okay. and they talked about what she would, she'd be flicking the light switch on and off, and they could see the switch actually moving. Ooh. So we were going through Cooper Hall Annex, and uh, we didn't hear it at the time. We were, I just was recording us walking through and getting Lena's uh, commentary on each room or whatever. And there's one point where uh, Dr. Echo says, uh, somebody help Miss Lena down the steps. And you hear this, hmm. And nobody says a thing. Nobody hears a thing. And I'm just listening back through it. And 
first time I heard it, my blood ran cold. I thought, I've captured something. I played it for Nancy, and her eyes got big as saucers. It was... Because nobody heard anything. Yeah, right. Right. and I had never even heard the term EVP yet. Right. Wow. Um, first time I heard the term EVP, they were uh, there was a psychic that was doing a session trying to contact Sharon Tate's spirit. Whoa. And they picked up an EVP. And then uh, you, there, we didn't have the internet at that point either. So you couldn't just share it, type in EVP. Yeah. Uh, you could type it, but it'd be on a piece of paper you could hand to someone. they go, what's that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got fascinated with that. And occasionally there'd be a show on television which mm-hmm. you couldn't record it back in those days because you didn't have a VCR. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're working with bare skins and stone knives back then, yeah. and um, it was uh, it was intriguing. I had books, lots of books by uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh yeah. Um, Scott Rogo, uh, Hans Holzer. I had a lot of Hans Holzer books, and matter of fact, Nancy knew Hans. She uh, named one of her boys after him. Um, he was a uh, probably the original modern day ghost hunter, mm-hmm. um, and it just always fascinated me. So um, I've always been tried to be aware of when something happens that most people just brush off. Mm-hmm. I lived in an old house in Bristol, my first house I ever purchased. Uh, I was working with Carnival Cruise Lines at the time, and. My grandfather uh, had a girlfriend. After my grandmother died, he started actually seeing her cousin. When he passed away, Dad stopped by her house uh, once to see how she was doing. And um, she lived in a 1901 Queen Anne Victorian. Mm. Uh, 10-foot ceilings down, uh, 12-foot ceilings downstairs, 10-foot upstairs. And it was amazing inside. It looked like you walked back in time. And she was selling it for a ridiculous amount, low, a ridiculous amount. So I bought it. I never saw anything in the house. I heard things. I swear, every time I walked upstairs with food, something would trip me. So I figured out they didn't want me to eat upstairs. (laughs) But um, once Melanie and I got married uh, and were living in the house, she saw uh, several things in the house. Mm. but she's always seen things, um, and I mean that in a paranormal way. Right. <laughs> she's sensitive. Yes, her well, um, her family is very sensitive. Her her great aunt was a psychic uh, who uh, did um, sessions in Bristol. Wow. Uh, her great grandfather, uh, everybody, and especially all the women in her family. But I think it stems from the great grandfather. All of our married life, every once in a while, she'll say, well, you never believe what I saw today or, you know, that sort of thing. And I I trust her. Um, one thing about my wife is she's never lied to me. Wow. Uh, she doesn't lie to people because uh, she's she says, you know, if you don't lie to people, you won't, be, won't get caught in it. You don't have to remember so much. Yeah, right. People who tell these big tales, they have to remember what they said to this person and that person. And she's and not that way. She's, yeah. she's a wonderful woman. She's put up with a lot over the years, very supportive. But uh, And I think I think our house we're in now. I think uh, the lady that lived there previously is 
still with us or visits from time to time. Uh, we have a little cabinet that door keeps getting unlocked and swinging open. Um, we hear every time I'm, you know, I'm big into model trains now, and yeah. and when I'm in the basement working on the the train layout, house can be empty, and I'll hear somebody walking around upstairs. Hmm. But it's not a we're terrified type thing. Yeah. Um, just the lady, there's no maliciousness, no it, no exactly just living negative, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that's um, I've just always been fascinated with them and. Uh, uh, still am. Uh, haven't done any ghost hunting in several years. Uh, like to. I want to. I and I want to go some of the places. You know, like Waverly Hills and uh, mm. uh, the Octagon House. And um, I always wanted to go to Villisca. Uh, the murder house. Axe murder house. Axe yeah. murder house. Yeah. That's one of my. That's on my bucket list. I've got about five places I wanna I wanna visit. Uh, I was about to say a top five, top ten yeah. of of the places if you are into this to go visit. And I visited some uh, in New Orleans when I worked cruise ships out of New Orleans. So we st- I stayed in a couple of haunted hotels. I stayed in the Galvez Hotel in Galveston, room five hundred one, I believe. Uh, and I tried to get five hundred one, uh, and it was already booked. She said it's booked up most of the time. Because of the history, I think so. Right. She didn't. People she didn't say that. But I tell you what, the the neat thing about the Galvez Hotel, it's a beautiful old hotel. It's I don't know over a hundred years old, mm. and there's there's they had these pictures, uh, really big framed pictures in the lobby, of of the hotel years ago, and they're done in a sepia tone, and in one of them, you can see a faint outline of a uh, soldier and I asked them about that they said yeah that was actually on the original negative that they that they found and said people really didn't think much about it till they people kept coming up to the desk and asking about it and they come over saying oh I'll be darned there is one so they actually had a picture of uh, they caught something of a ghost yeah uh, and didn't realize it at the time. Hmm. Wow. Imagine going into a hotel lobby and you see a, a photo up on the wall or a picture up on the wall, big print, and you randomly see just these figures that, in the windows of whatever of the the hotel. This pose is this right? supposed to happen. Yeah, I, and I've stayed in some pretty frowsy hotels. Uh, one place, the postcard with a picture of the rooms, the beds weren't even made up. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, we, um, I was, I, before, before you got here, I was, I was telling them, I was like, I haven't seen Cousin Timmy in years, probably nearing 10 years. Mm-hmm. But we at one point did investigate a local theater together. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him in the last recording that I still have an EVP of a woman speaking whilst I'm speaking to Stephen Knowles. Really? I'm like talking to him, telling him my experience that I had. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm walking to the drink fountain. I feel like something's walking up behind me. And you hear Stephen go, oh, wow, really? And then you hear this female go, with me? You know Stephen's a ventriloquist, right? (laughs) I I, I thought about that. I didn't know. Well, we also got one uh, at that same session. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you ever heard it. Uh, We laid a digital recorder on a stool back there uh, next to the truck. Really? And you can hear someone say, Carol. 
Is it the uh, Carol Culp was maintenance our man? Right. Huh? Uh, well, Carol was our, our wardrobe mistress. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Eddie, her husband, was our maintenance man. Now, Tony was before I got there. Yeah. yeah. And he passed away at that point. Yeah, he uh, wrecked in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, something happened medically, uh, heart, I think it was, or whatnot. Yeah. And, yeah, but... And we talked about how his precursor is the cigarette smoke. Yeah, everybody, they, everybody attributed just about everything to him. Right. But there were definitely more than than just. There's there was that. A, there's still a there's a girl at that theater, uh, which we won't mention the name of it. Right. Uh, but um, it uh, there's a girl has been seen. She's got long dark hair, uh, and. Plus, I've seen, could be Tony, could be Eddie for all I know. Eddie's a good friend of mine. And he used to ghost hunt. Yeah. I mean, he worked, like, till 3 a.m. in this old dark theater and was ghost hunting. And he told me his, uh, we had, he had a little vacuum cleaner one of those rolling along that we called R2. <laughs> and uh, he'd pull that vacuum cleaner along. He had about four miles of cord. You know, he could. Run over to the opera, and clean, <laughs> right. and clean it. So, uh, but he said he was rolling along, and it, it felt like something. Uh, it got stuck on something. Yeah. And then uh, while he was trying to get it loose, uh, it started being pulled back uh, in the opposite direction. A little tug of war. You're making yeah. too much noise in here, man. We're trying to sleep. Yeah, we're trying to haunt this place. <laughs> it's your problem. This theater is clean. <laughs> <laughs> that that little woman uh, what was her name uh, Edna or Zelda or something Zelda. like that yeah. Zelda, Zelda. Uh, she used to host this show it's like scariest places on earth or yeah and yeah. they went to Chillingham Castle and all these big haunted places me and Melanie used to just crack up because she'd say they're going into the living room <laughs> right now so we used to do that voice to each other like I'm going to the kitchen to get something to drink <laughs> she goes the, okay. Oh. <laughs> One of the things I had heard recently, trying to just create in the theater of the mind, you're not actually mm-hmm. seeing anything, but just these different inflections. Mm-hmm. You're talking about with Hitchcock and stuff like that, just yeah. trying mm-hmm. to to help create that picture in the mm-hmm. mind. But then also that type of stuff in this world, of course, leads to the power of suggestion. People seeing things, yeah. hearing things that they might not normally have you know seen or heard had they not been influenced beforehand oh yeah my buddy uh matt and i are working uh we've been working on a a theatrical seance uh for a a year or two and uh trying to find a location for it Uh, i've been to several theatrical seances which is basically uh, it's like a a a lights out uh (laughs) magic show right uh but the the basis of it is setting that right atmosphere and um, what the good ones really do well at is getting a backstory out into the public. And we Laying did that, that with groundwork. We did that with Crone House, even my haunted attraction that yeah. I owned. Um, but um, how, it, how it starts, you have a, a, a sort of a host who tells you a little bit of something about the location they're at. And uh, ours is going to be, if we can get it going, ours is going to be with uh, with drinks and snacks and like mm-hmm. have a little, couple little interludes. Yeah. Uh, but there will be a lights-out session that 
Oh, I I've been to them and I think I've been to about four, and they're amazing. I uh, can imagine the entertainment value of something like that. I mean, for people that are looking for those jump scares to mm-hmm. get their adrenaline going, get that heart pumping, get the season that, that would kicked be, off, yeah. right? Well, and you know things like voices and like we're talking about Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock's voice, mm-hmm. and you got uh, like Disney's. Haunted Mansion, Paul Freed, yes. when hinges creak in yes. Orlis Chambers. Yeah. And One candlelight flickers where the air is deathly there still. There are 999 souls in yep. this house. Just watched that uh, Saturday. Fantastic. The new, the new one? one. Yeah. The new one's good. I haven't seen the new one yet. Uh, I like the new one. But you know some. Yep. Yeah. Representing my Haunted Mansion. Yeah, you are. Love it. Jeff, uh, that I work with... Uh, Pick this up in Florida at the Florida famous home of famous mice and ducks. Yes, nice. mice, mice and ducks. ducks. Just recently went for my first time since 2001, and it's a different world these days. Yeah, it is. Oh, for it's, sure. There's too many people. They need a cut off. <laughs> well, it's too peopley. And I don't support that company anymore, but I will wear a free one. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I love. I still love the Haunted Mansion. Somebody yeah. give it to me. It's you know. not. It's, it's uh, no, I, I do love the Haunted Mansion, and I think it's done a lot for what we call haunters out there. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. You're currently listening to our legendary friends and personal spirit guides, Brian and Opie, at the Between Two Barrels podcast. After you're done, head on over to the 30 and Nerdy podcast and give us a listen. Life as a nerd moves pretty fast these days, so tune in and keep up with us as we dive into all aspects of nerd culture from Marvel and DC to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Dive into the ever-growing world of pop culture with us, Tyler Mack and Josh Davis. Cheers to you, nerds. You know, like I said, I was in, I've been in the haunted attraction industry for 20-some years. Let's speak to that. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um... I did my first haunted house in Steve Bellamy's basement. This friend of mine in our subdivision, when we were about 11 or 12, mm-hmm. uh, at Halloween, we did a haunted house in his basement. And then the next year, we did one at my church. And next year, we did one in the, at, at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. First one at school, I think I was a freshman at high school. And we did one uh, for a fall festival. Um, and then my english teacher said uh, she said i'm dating a guy that is working with the jc's in johnson city and they're building a haunted house i thought that'd be right up your alley well man i was down there immediately and they they i got there and they said uh, they're still building uh still doing build out they had about a week they said we got four rooms we have no idea what to put in them because it's a pretty big place mm-hmm. So I came up with ideas for those four rooms. They loved it, and we jumped in and got the stuff built. And then the next year, I was at UT, and I found the Powell JCs. They were doing a haunted house over on Fourth and Gill. Mm-hmm. 
And you, do you know that old neighborhood, Fourth and Gill? It's an old neighborhood, old uh, Victorian uh, in Johnson City. houses. No, this is in Knoxville here. Knoxville. Knoxville. Yeah, that's why I was going to UT. Oh, with the Powell JCs. They didn't have it in Powell. They actually were doing it in Knoxville. So I contacted them. They said, "Yeah, man, we'd love to have you." So I came over, and they were in a house. Listen, this place was the scariest looking houses right out of a movie uh it was an old queen anne victorian um well actually let's see I'm trying to think of my victorian build it had mansard roofs mm. and um it was scary and there was a guy who had one room and a bathroom and a kitchen he had fixed up in it and he was waiting until he got some more money to fix up the rest of it. But he had to, the one bedroom and the bathroom and the kitchen was pretty swanky. Right. Uh, so he said so much. he let them use the rest of his house. And it was, I would be, the guy would be gone. He worked a lot, I guess, uh, pay for his whole house. Um, and I'd be in there and the JCs, yeah, the, when the JCs did haunted houses, they loved to drink beer. So they'd make a beer run about every 20 minutes. Uh, and and I'd, I'd usually stay there and be working. So I'd be in this old house by myself. It'd, it'd be dark already. And there wasn't a lot of lighting in the old part, uh, yeah. except what we had put in there, the JCs. And, man, i get to Willie's. It just uh, right. it would uh, set you off. And I got a, a fire in my belly over haunted attractions. I love them. The next year they had... They had to move. Uh, the guy wasn't able to let them use the house the next year, so they moved to the old hospital on Dameron Avenue. Oh, Gosh, okay. that place was scarier than the first one. Right. Uh, so when I, uh, while I, even while I was in college, I started doing haunted attractions. Uh, and then about 20 years ago, let's see, I'd be about right. I guess about 20 years ago, I decided I wanted to do my own. Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote a book, uh, and uh, I sold tons of them. It's, it's been sold out for years. I think we sold about 3,000 of them. That's awesome. And for a haunted house book, that's right. pretty good. What's it called? Uh, it's called The Complete Haunted House Book by Tim Harkle Road. Um, and it sold really well. And I, um, Chris Wooden, who owns uh, Frightmare, Mm-hmm. Um, he came up to me on a cruise ship uh, and said, are you Tim Harker that wrote the book? I said, yeah. He said, I bought your book. I, I said, literally wrote the book on this. Uh, <laughs> right. He said, I paid a lot of money because it's out of print. Uh, I, and then he said, I'm building a haunted house in Tennessee. I said, I'm from Tennessee. So years later, and I think you went with us yeah. uh, at, with the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, first year we went up there. On the way out, I asked somebody, I said, who owns this? And I said, a guy named Chris Wood. And I thought, man, that sounds familiar. So I looked back through my records, and uh, that was who I had met. And I contacted him. So I would go up to Frightmare and help out. Uh, and this is years later. I had my own haunted attraction mm-hmm. in, up in the Tri-Cities area. It's called the Haunting of Crone House, K-R-O-N-E. Um, Name alone sounds we had a fun. We had a backstory. Uh, about Alistair Crone, who was a, a circus guy and, and a collector. Yeah. And uh, he collected all these 
uh, haunted artifacts and traveled around with a museum, uh, a traveling museum. And then they ended up being stored in his house and then he and his family disappeared one night and the house, what family he had inherited it, but they couldn't rent it out mm-hmm. because people would flee after a couple of nights. So we had this great backstory. In the first year we were in the Johnson City Mall. Wow. And uh, problem was they put us in a space that didn't have a mall entrance. People had to drive around to the back. We didn't do we didn't do very well at the mall, which you'd think would be great. Uh, but it, I was undeterred. Uh, the next year we were in a shopping center in Piney Flats, and it really didn't kick in until finally my friend uh, Randy Moore, mm-hmm. who owns the War Wizard uh, uh, monster truck, he has a camp campground in Bristol next to the Bristol Motor Speedway. So he said, why don't we do it up here? And um, we built an 18-room house in the middle of the campground <laughs> without a roof wow. in it. We, we already had about 150 four-by-eight wall panels. And we would just lash them together in a maze-like. Yeah. And we did it. At, and, man, it was, it was great. People loved it. We... We didn't do the numbers like uh, Frightmare did, but everybody that went to it said it was very scary. Uh, I remember first night we opened at the campground, my wife was working at the ticket booth up at the entrance of the campground, and we were probably a quarter of a mile, half mile, I don't know, from the from the ticket booth, and she called me on my cell phone. She said, you need to turn those sound effects down. I can hear the screaming all the way up here. I said, there aren't any screams on our sound effects. <laughs> those are people. And we were in Thunder Valley. Uh, and that, that Oh, so the echoes are echo, just... Echo. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, any, and we had... Any and domestic just, calls or just, any, like, the police coming out there thinking that something's actually going on? People no, making they, phone calls? they all knew about us. Okay. Uh, of course, the fire department had done a walkthrough. And that just adds yeah. the effect. People hearing those screams waiting in line yeah because my wife uh before we got married she lived probably a mile in talbot behind frightmare oh, okay and she'd just be like i mean we'd sit all out night long on, the, just on, hear, the, ah. on the deck and just listen to people screaming bloody murder from frightmare and she's like the fact that we can hear this it's just right. a testament. Yeah. To, well, to, Chris and Mike are both nice guys. They work really hard. They put a lot of money into that. Yes, they have. Uh, and then I've got to know uh, Rob over at uh, uh, Frightworks. Mm-hmm. And first time he met me, he said, man, I had your book. Uh, he, so that's kind of it's kind of a cool intro to people that you sometimes don't know. Yeah. Uh, that they recognize your name from your, from your book. It's because of a passion that you all shared, they yep. bought your book to learn. Because I would imagine he learned about it from your book. Because what Chris and them did for before even opening Frightmare is they they introduced the lore. Yeah, you could tell that like a lot of people like did buy into it, but like someone like me who really knew what that was, it was you know dangerous seafood mm-hmm. for for a few years, and like I started hearing this story, I'm like, I don't think that that's what that house was like. I've lived here my whole life, and like, right. I don't remember being told it was that. Right. And then it started hitting me. I was like, that's freaking brilliant. Yeah. You've already built the story. 
and people are posting on Facebook about it and they're they're sharing it and they're like they even paid to like do like a an article in the newspaper yeah about what the land used to be and I'm right. like good god they're sowing this into people's minds months before opening our security guard used to stand at the door and drop little hints and talk about the original crone house because we were in a in a mall right they knew the mall wasn't haunted but uh their story was that all those haunted artifacts were moved to the mall there uh, you go just as yeah. a just yeah. as a tour a museum mm-hmm. and ended up being possessed by the spirits of all these people yeah. and it he would listen in he heard this one girl she's saying uh well my mama used to talk about crone house how that you know which one it is and she pegged the old swingles mansion in johnson city which was huh. which was the local haunted house yeah right it had been abandoned for years but the yard had been kept up it was the windows were neatly boarded up mm. but it sat there for 30 some years the swingles family would never sell it and it was in a really nice residential section right when you first went in the old section of johnson city yeah and uh, people assumed that was Crone House. All you had to do was plant a seed, and then everybody it's, else just did. It's amazing. It's like Paragolia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so many Bigfoot sightings or ghost sightings or this and that are from Paragolia. Uh, and if our viewers aren't familiar with that, it's like seeing a face in the clouds. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, things, our minds arrange things in according to shapes and when we see what looks like two eye holes a nose and a mouth and something oh sort of round, well it's a face yeah well seeing like jesus on toast yeah exactly um <laughs> i think they i think they serve Give us this day our daily bread <laughs> uh, i love jesus and i love toast <laughs> So it's a it's a great. Uh, great I think I think they have a toaster now to where it just makes it kind of like the Death Star or the Darth Vader <laughs> toaster, <laughs> you where you can just different shapes on your toast. Jesus on the Death Star. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, taking your information and knowledge from the real world hauntings, and then your knowledge of the theatrical hauntings, and using both of those on the opposite sides in both capacities um, using the theatrical stuff to debunk the potential for things that that aren't actually uh, haunting and then also being able to take the things that you know about the real stuff and then apply those to the actual you know haunted houses the theatrical hauntings I think is just an awesome parallel and being able to utilize the the information and the, the tools and everything else from from both of those sides it makes for a, a really awesome you know i started as a magician okay uh, originally a magician i learned to play banjo about the same time so i did magic shows ever since i was about 13 14 and one of my favorite types of magic was uh, uh psychic magic they call it mind reading okay or whatever. Yeah. yeah um and most of that was with cards and coins and stuff like that uh, and I learned early on uh, Eugene Berger, who had uh, a book called Spirit Theater, because he ran seances in Chicago. He was an uh, incredibly talented man. I finally got to meet him years later. Uh, One of the uh, um, influences, bigger influences for Sean Paul Nemec, if I'm not uh, mistaken. 
he had done the show over at the Magic Beyond Belief Theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he had the, the seance, him and his wife, Julie, and they would do the, the mind reading and yep. stuff like that. So Yeah, you'd have codes and stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, I applied a lot of that magic uh, theory to my haunted attractions, but also into debunking uh, hauntings that we would investigate. And uh, uh, I never debunked any psychics, like, to their face, but I would see stuff like the uh, these uh, psychic surgeons in, in the Philippines that would remove cancers and stuff mm-hmm. from people without cutting them and, and I actually did a little lecture uh, once on that um, my favorite thing to work with in, in a haunted attraction was darkness mm. if you set the right mood with some background music and the proper lighting uh, very little uh, you can have Barney the dinosaur jump out and, and scare people <laughs> Honestly, uh, are you kids? Oh my god, <laughs> I love you. Satan's our friend. Ah. You love me. Uh, <laughs> I hate it, <him>, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Top three locations you've ever investigated that you're just like, holy crap. Actually, most of them are pri- private residences. Really? Uh, uh, one, um, was in Kingsport. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to, and it was in an apartment complex. Uh, like the apartments were, I'll take it back, one apartment complex, one of these where you'd have small brick homes just yeah. right up against each other. Yeah. On yeah. One, one level. Well, so like a multiple levels. duplexes or whatever. Yeah, a duplex, yeah. that's one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we went downstairs. This woman had kept seeing an old woman in her house and most of the activity happened downstairs like when we got there uh, she led us downstairs to show us a, a dresser in a bedroom where all the knobs had been taken off and placed inside the drawers and you have to be able to read people to figure out the veracity of these claims uh, or else you know miraculous things could happen mm. uh, but on the way down the steps something walked through me my knees went weak uh, I became a little faint I had to sit down on the step and I my hair was standing up on both arms full on chicken skin yeah listen I and I got a slight mental image of someone walking through me I didn't see a face or anything I, I and I didn't see anything but I felt I knew what had happened yeah so that was one uh, Gilbert Hall at ETSU the theater department up there mm-hmm. Sydney I rode in the elevator with Sydney one night and it terrified me I didn't see him but he was standing right behind me I knew it uh, he messed with us when we did opera uh, workshop productions, hide our makeup. Uh, Jim Lyons saw him in the audience once when we were doing a dress rehearsal. Uh, matter of fact, was his wife Janet saw Sydney, and then Jim uh, was going off stage, and one of the leg curtains just furled open and, and 
wrapped around it. He could feel arms around him. So uh, Gilbert Hall, scary place. And I just recently went to their ETSU's announcement of their Broadway season because mm-hmm. they, they do like a mini, kind of like what uh, Tennessee Theater does, but nowhere near to, like they do like two nights. That is what they can afford. And we were, me and my wife were at ETSU and one of the t- the people, like ushers or all that, one of them as we were coming up was talking about Sydney. Wow. Was like telling another, like, oh yeah, but and I was like, good Lord. But. We, we may have to have another episode that's dedicated just to paranormal energies and theaters mm-hmm. and the, the correlation because that seems to be one of the biggest, and I know that we talked about it on the first episode with Mike with yeah. Mike in the fact that that theaters I mean and it's just the energy that the performers pour into it that that energy is residual it will stay there they're playing off of it and yeah. and then any kind of actual spirits or whatever can use it play off of it or whatnot but just the the fact that there are so many theaters in mm-hmm. this area and across the country or across the world that have some sort of of, of paranormal mm-hmm. activity it, it seems to be a magnet with theaters yeah. like uh, trailer parks and tornadoes. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite episodes of King of the Hill. Uh, well, the investigation you and I did together, that was... Uh, it was an interesting night. That was good. But we went to Carol's house. Oh, wow. Later. And me and uh, someone you were very familiar with, we... I Demon caught, in her own right. <laughs> I caught... A video, and I have to, I have to get my old laptop out. Uh-huh. I got a, a video of a flame orb. It looked like flame, like just a, a little a Mario fireball, or wisp something. of just a little wisp of like a ribbon of flame, and we we saw it twice. Oh wow! In a totally dark room on a video, and it's it's the best evidence I've ever caught of anything. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, those are some uh, some of my favorites. We investigated a lot, of, a lot of places. We investigated out there. We did one of the other theaters in town mm-hmm. uh, that Archie Campbell was affiliated with. Uh, oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, uh, I'm familiar with that one, too. <laughs> and they had a ghost hunt down there. Uh, Steve, help me out, played guitar. Oh, crap, what's Steve's name, last name? Well, my best buddy, I can't think of his last name. If you hadn't asked, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Steve was... Uh, yeah, one uh, of my inspirations bearding. for growing the, the yeah. beard out so long at one yeah. point in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it when he used to put pull his beard up and put his glasses... Glasses uh, on to be cousin yeah, it. Yep. Uh, over top of it. Uh, Steve Curry. <laughs> Steve Curry, yes. I can't believe I can't remember one of my favorite foods and one of my favorite people. <laughs> I love Steve Curry. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure uh, that uh, Ron, Debbie, multiple of those people are, are still finding times to, to go out and, and entertain the masses. I'm, I the wonder that. Barn. Yeah, I wonder that. I wonder... Uh, Hell, now Wes. Yeah. Duff. Wes has been gone. Yeah. Uh, that insane. Grandpa Duffy set, I'll man. never... I'm, like, <sighs> I'm getting chills just even thinking about Debbie's it Debbie's loss point. seems like yesterday. Yeah, to be honest, that was sad. That was a very sad. I mean, everybody's death is sad, but gosh. God, that the, these people that you spend so many years with that that aren't your family that you get that type of connection with and stuff like that. It really, mm-hmm. 
Because that's a chosen connection, not a forced connection. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I think we do feel, I mean, I'm, I know my mom's visited us. Mm-hmm. My dad's visited me. Uh, I've never seen them. Uh, but you know when they're there. You yeah. know the you know the presence of your parents, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and um, we were at Melanie's grandmother's house uh, the day they buried her, mm-hmm. uh, her grandmother, and uh, the whole family was sitting around a kitchen table. Now this woman was strict; she didn't allow anyone with hard sole shoes on her linoleum kitchen floor because it remained spotless. This house was always spotless. And matter of fact, she uh, she'd yell at the kids. You know, when we take the kids up there, Martin always had these uh, shoes with uh, hard soles on, black black rubber soles. She'd be flipping out. Uh, and I remember we're sitting around her kitchen table, and uh, Melanie's aunt said, "Well, Mama would sure hate all these people sitting in her kitchen right now," and it. At that very moment, the light over the table started just freaking out. You know, like his clothes are going to blow. Yeah. You know, just getting real bright and flickering, and everybody's <laughs> everybody looks up real slowly and uh, takes her shoes off. <laughs> Melanie's grandfather said, "I never seen anything like that before." <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, I think when. When people are in visitation, as they say in the haunting, yeah. uh, uh, and, and I'm a big believer in uh, residual hauntings more than spiritual spirit hauntings. Yeah, uh, I think it's. People ask me how I. Uh, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And people ask me how I uh, uh, coincide because there's because there's a lot of belief that like no that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, a lot of people think well uh, when you die if you go to heaven. If you go to hell, uh, you can't come back. If you go to heaven, you don't want to come back. Yeah. But uh, I believe what we see a lot of times are not necessarily spirits of people. I think they're residual energy. Mm-hmm. I always felt like uh, energy can't be destroyed. It can be changed. Yeah. Right. Uh, like manipulated, changed. Yeah. 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 And let's say you've got an old house that uh, there was a house in Bluntville that I used to hear about that um, a lady would. Uh, they, they said the haunting, uh, they would see a lady come down the steps in the morning mm-hmm. and go into the kitchen, and you'd smell coffee being ground. Well, then, over the years, she started to fade, and where they wouldn't see her, but they'd hear her uh, and still smell the coffee, and then finally it got down to just they would smell coffee every once in a while, and they attributed it to her. So, so like even that energy had to run down. Yes. I think it disperses. I, uh, let's say you walk down your banister every day of your life, mm-hmm. rub your hand along it, all that little... Oh, yeah, that's the, the static electricity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically an energy that's that's being transferred into... And, and, and if you've ever seen any of the studies of Ted Sirius, uh, where he would... Uh, I, I'm sorry, not Ted Sirius. That's the guy that would hold a camera against his head and they would come up with pictures of places. Uh, yeah. But uh, curly in photography uh, is where they would, let's say, they would have a plate that they had put a, a charge through. Mm. And they put a leaf on that plate, and then they'd take a picture of it with some special type of lens or something, and you would see an aura around the leaf. Okay. 
they would cut a section off the leaf, take a picture again, and you'd see a, still see a faint outline of oh, the original. Okay. Of the leaf. So that's they think that's uh, energy is in everything. Everything's made up of energy. Yeah. So let's say you've got a house that somebody's lived in for 90 years. Their energy, their their essence is all over this house. Well, you you often hear uh, things like it's a dark, stormy night. You know, stories, ghost stories start with the darkness and yeah. storms and stuff. Well, let's say, what if lightning, uh, just the, the electricity in the air could set something like this off? Mm-hmm. Right. It'd be like a room full of gas. You can't see it. You couldn't smell it unless they put that additive in, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But say you've got a room full of gas. All of a sudden, there's a spark. Well, you see a visual reaction. Mm-hmm. Let's say that spark might be a, a, a psychic or uh, atmosphere in the air. Sets that off to where it coalesces to look like a person. Right. Yeah. Or, or just a shadow or, or just a, a vaporous apparition so I think that's what we're seeing a lot of times is just energy that we don't quite understand like mm-hmm. ball lightning right yeah um, and uh, which is an insane phenomenon if you've not seen it you need yeah. to look up ball lightning ball lightning my dad saw it once it's crazy I just, um, I've only seen videos of course but just to see this ball of energy moving from A to B yeah yeah, in, yeah. It's just uh, so much we don't understand. So there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. Yeah. Spirits, when we come to spirits, I think a lot of them are residual natural energy. Mm. Uh, that house is loaded with it, and something sets it off. Well, it's like Mike said, soldiers at Gettysburg. Yeah. Just yeah. They get up, over do their and thing over and over and over and over. And over. What's up, Legends? So, we talked so much with Cousin Timmy that we are going to have to make this a two-part show. So, we are going to stop right here after the finish of the paranormal aspect of the show. And this coming Thursday, you are going to hear part two of our discussion with Cousin Timmy, where we're going to be talking about cryptids. It's a very great conversation. So don't forget to tune in to part two of Cousin Timmy's interview this Thursday. Cheers to you, legends. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.